Hi there, welcome to the Simon Tumier podcast. We've got a great guest today, the legendary fiddler Charlie McKerrin. Now, these podcasts are made possible by my patrons, which is patron.com forward slash Simon Tumier. And I'd love to have you on board. So, Charlie, when did you first pick up the fiddle? Well, I was nine, Simon, um, and my father played the fiddle, of course, and my great uncle Tom McKerrin. Um, and I remember I was um, at that time, I would have been at Kinloss Primary School. My mother and father ran a hotel in Fintorn, the Kilburn Sands Hotel, which has now been demolished but um, and uh, converted into, built into something else. But um, but basically, yeah, we did the, can, can you do the, can you do that rhythm? Um, and the, some, you know, somebody came around the school and if you could copy a rhythm, you, you, were, you were deemed to have some musical um, uh, your aptitude and then would you like to play a musical instrument and then I was straight away I'd love to play the fiddle and um, I was lucky enough to have a, a brilliant teacher at early days a man called Drummond Cook and he's still um, alive I hope Drummond Cook and uh, he basically um, great musician fiddle player and accordionist and uh, and he plays he's also as well as being a, a classical teacher he was great involved in the traditional music scene as well in the dance band scene and um i was lucky my second teacher jimmy taylor both of these men um always encouraged me to play traditional music i was very lucky you know so i i, I would say that then um, I, I got up to grade five in um classical violin because my excuse would be that i didn't i didn't i didn't do the theory i didn't pass the theory for it I didn't sit it, to be honest, but um, so I never progressed further than that. But luckily for me, my teachers always said, well, play me a scale, practice that one there and then do this. And then, right, have you heard this reel or have you heard this despair? Um, so I was very lucky and I, I, I'm indebted to both of them. And uh, and Jimmy Taylor was a great player, too. And he ironically, he was more a fan of Irish music and, and, and he put me on to to Sean Maguire. He says, go and listen to this guy. And then I mentioned it to my father and my father says, oh, well, I've just recorded him off the radio. Um, wait, there you go, listen to this. And uh, that was a great thing for me, listen to Maguire early days. Um, and then obviously Scottish fiddle players like the, um, at, at that time I was involved with the, the traditional fiddle competition scene. And so the people that would be kicking about at that time um, winning competitions, people like Angus, Cameron and of course Douglas Lawrence, um, Florence Burns, um, and uh, you know so basically I had uh, Hector McAndrew of course was would have been my 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 favourite Scottish player of all time but my father um, encouraged me helped me through giving me recordings and he used to record stuff off the radio and say have you heard this tune and stuff like that so I was very very lucky and my my great uncle Tom McKerran who would come turn up you know and come back to my dad's house after funerals or some kind of family get together and they would always be having whiskey drams and and he would he would say to me give us a tune on the fiddle charlie and my dad would go oh no not him again <laughs> so um so i was lucky my, my my great uncle always used to um ask me to play which was which is a wonderful thing isn't it and anytime you're your hands are on an instrument. It's a good thing. It makes your playing, your, your, um, you know, hopefully, gradually getting better. 
I think it's funny. My, my memories of playing for relatives are not so good. I, I, like, I mean, I obviously loved my music, but as soon as my mother said, your auntie's here playing a tune, it was like, really? <laughs> okay, no, I know. behind the couch. <laughs> I know, I know. But we had, we, we were lucky because my auntie, Auntie Charlotte, played the piano. And uh, so we, we, she would be um, on the piano and then we had the, the fiddles, at least at least three fiddles going and uh, great crack and and my my, uh, my the tunes they played as well they would have gone back for you know sessions for probably at least a hundred years in the McCarran uh, household and um, my, my grandfather uh, my father's father he played I heard he was a, he was a big police sergeant and uh, massive hands and and uh, he was a bit ropey but they still we managed to try and get the Laird of Drum Blair out and the deal among the tailors. That was a that was the the top reel in our house. Excuse me. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know Charlie that uh, that it went quite far back in your family. The fiddle that must have been it must be quite amazing looking back at it now. The sort of lineage of it all. Well, yeah, yes, you know, I mean, um, I, I just think Simon it's, and you know it's just in in uh, typical of of the life at, uh, in, in the. I would imagine in agricultural Scotland, um, rural Scotland, you know, from the islands to to the northeast of Scotland, where my family came from, um, and and just the, the you know the the bothy ballad culture, the working culture. How did you entertain yourself, you know, on a on a you know a, a night where you're away from home, you you know? So that's where I guess a lot of that bothy music came from, and. And uh, the the fiddle tradition in its in itself, you know. Obviously, I think um, um, you know, like through Neil Gow's time and stuff like that, they were patronised by the rich. Um, and that's even speaking to Bobby McLeod many years ago in the Missionist Hotel in Tobermory, he still said to me that you know we had to give recognition to that um, source of revenue that was from the wealthy that they have. They have promoted Scottish music, um, you know, and I was, I of course, at that age, I would have been a rebel. That was the early days of Capper Cayley and, and I was, you know, I would have been mouthing off in the pub and he gave me a talking to and said, have, show some respect for the establishment. Well, I think it's, it's actually very true, though. I mean, Scottish tradition is one of the best archived in the world. And uh, and that was down to the patronage of all the of all the wealthy, all these books of tunes that we're so lucky to have that I don't think many other cultures have at all. Well, there uh, you go. And what where we could go is all due to wealthy people wanting someone to write tunes for them. Well, that's how true, and 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 I mean you can see it, you know, like in the in the writing of um of the Gows, Skinners, you know, all the, you know, the great um collections. You can see there's a lot of reference to to the military <laughs> to and to the wealthy the um and i'm just trying to think of it's a great photograph it's a, a painting in um the art uh the uh, in edinburgh there's um it's a picture a portrait of it's i think it's um william marshall and robert burns and the duke of gordon and his wife and that says a lot, you know. Um, so they were in Burns, obviously was mixing in 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 good circles, you could say. And and William Marshall, of course, a great composer as well from the northeast, from Fochabers, and he was in the service of the Duke of Gordon. And uh, I was just going across a bridge the other day, 
on the way to uh, Nairn and it was Dul um, Dulnainbridge and I, I read there that Burns had come over there in a horse and cart um, uh, on a travel from 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 the uh, Duke of Gordon's in Fochabers down uh, heading over to to Nairn or over over to the west you know over to Inverness so that was fantastic it's a great thing when you can when you can tie your history in Scotland back to just a location and you can say all right Robert Burns has been here he's been over this bridge you know um, oh yeah, like well, where we like used that. to live in Lavington, he he Burns used to walk past our door every day. It's just pretty cool, actually. Brilliant. But you know, um, we we could keep talking about all this for ages, but I want to jump ahead, sure, and and talk about session A nine because I just flipping love them. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, session A nine are everything that I love about trap music. <laughs> How how did the band start? If you know, because I've got this brilliant clip, and I don't want anybody to miss it. So tell okay. me about how the band started. Well, it's um, an, an interesting one. Um, I I guess just through jamming, um, jamming with certain individuals and meeting them at various festivals and things, and uh, also Sandra, my partner Sandra Mackay, she with, with a, a lineup of Tannis, and um, that's that's probably how I got to know. I knew Brian McAlpine before that, but. I would have met Brian and Chris Drever through her band, and um, and indeed she Sandra formed a, an agency company called Artist Day Nine, which she uses. That's her email, um, Artist Day Nine, and of course she, I just obviously stole the A Nine bit when and Session A Nine. We could do something with that, and then um, uh, all, all people I had in mind, obviously, um, certainly Tim Tim Eady. Now, Tim and I go back a long way and um, I met him through Michael McGoldrick and, and of course Tim was playing with Mike at times when, um, say, Ed, Ed Boyle couldn't make it um, and uh, basically uh, I, I met, probably met him a couple of times at festivals and, uh, uh, you know, we just decided that it would be great to do something together and it was a nightmare putting that album together, the first album, so... <laughs> It was I. I kind of I definitely probably have to take the, most of the credit for that in terms of taking my recording studio, mobile recording studio, and going from A to B, and it was kind of done like that, and um, and it, it probably sounds a bit like that. But uh, in in the process of doing it, we did, um, you know, go through that a fundamental thing you have to do with these lineups is you have to play as much as you can together. Um, and even though it's quite quite crack, you know, we, we've got a lot of crack in our in our approach to it. Um, it's still it's still you've still got to learn the tunes. And I think um, one of the, one of the things was that we were we were up because we were up for a session and all that. Everyone in the band, there was always people were always wanting to play and practice the certain tunes. And I think it probably went over the top that we would have been playing our stuff in actual sessions with other people and they would be going, oh my God, would they, would they just shut up with their stuff, you know? Um, but yeah, I think we were probably quite famous for that, for, for hogging the show and trying to just, um, and then, then trying to get tunes together like Gordon Duncan's Press for Time. And that's, I mean, it's, it just it doesn't sit that well in the fiddle and it really does take a lot of playing through, practicing to, to, to you know, I'm sure you, you know that yourself. There are certain tunes that suit certain instruments and, not that we probably bother you, Simon. You can play anything, <laughs> but um, but certainly, um, I, I think that was the the kind of from from individual meetings and then 
Um, and then I sort of a few random emails trying to get everyone to come together. And then, um, and then my hub at that point, the I, I I lived just at that time I lived about three miles um, towards Aviemore from from the King Craig direction where I live now. And uh, and that was a great. It was when I first went there. There was nobody there. It was just a farm cottage. And we could make as much noise as we liked, so it was kind of like that. We we would we would be jamming um, into the early hours of the morning, say no more, and having the crack. And that's kind of how how the the band came together. And then I got in the first album. I had David Chimp Robertson, the Capper Kelly percussionist. I got Chimp signed up to do it, and then um, and then asked him to. Would you fancy putting this on the road? And he was going, "Well, oh, no, I've never really done anything like that, you know, because it was a kind of he'd kind of merged a few drum styles together, and I, I genuinely think he was a bit scared of doing it. So in the early days, so he didn't do it. He did the album, but the first, I think, the first drummer we had after that was um, Ian Copeland, who joined us. And of course, Ian is fantastic, a great drummer, and you know, he certainly added a lot of 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 life to the early live live sound. And um, you know, uh, it's just been that uh, difficult at times when when musicians couldn't make it. You know, like you 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 sign up with an agency and they say, right, I've got you booked for some festivals in England, and then well, some of the musicians are in the people fairies, some of them are in this band, some of them in that band, and then um, oh, there's we get a phone call, there's a traffic jam on the some road and coming out of Wales, and we're going to be late for our gig. Oh, you know, at Glastonbury this was, by the way. And things like that, and um, and over the years as well, we to make the band work. Early days, we had a, quite a big pool of musicians, um, um, and I think uh, you know certainly Ailey Shaw and um, Gavin Marr, which has been involved, Simon Bradley, um, and of course um, Sarah McFadden, Sarah as well, and I think. Uh, Guitar-wise, Chris obviously Chris Strever then was replaced by Mark Mark Clement, who's um, I've played with Mark a lot uh, through the years, and uh, he's fantastic. So it's, it's it's just a proper typical story of of most bands, Simon. That you know, um, just to make things work, you, you have to bend the rules sometimes. And and uh, but it got to the stage. I think we had ba a band meeting, which is never a good thing. And uh, and basically we said, look. No more depths, no more depths, and as a result of that, we've never worked since. <laughs> but um, but not quite, but not quite. But it, it rules you out of so many things, and and I know we were almost doing it, going to be doing a show with you, um, you know, in the near future. But it, it, we couldn't get Kevin Henderson out of Norway um, to do it, and uh, and it's one of these things. It's like uh, I think if you play in front of an audience, adrenaline can help you get through things and um i'm not so sure when you're um just making films it's it's it becomes i think your mind becomes more analytical of what you're actually doing and and, and listening to the parts and stuff so well i think but, charlie uh, this is a that's an excellent uh intro into this because this is uh alive the band the 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 lineup of the band uh performing live and this whole concert is actually available on youtube it's absolutely amazing and basically it's me the swing the tunes the fun of playing together and the smiles just says everything that i love about trad music <laughs> Thank you. 
Oh man, I have listened to that. I don't know how many times <laughs> this morning. Just that clip, I, I don't know, it just totally makes me smile, actually. And I should say to people out there that there's a whole live album as well as all, all the other normal albums available to listen on all streaming media as well. So definitely check it out. Charlie, I've always wanted to ask you about the Golden Fiddle Awards. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was an interesting one. Um, it was kind of like, um, I think it was the Daily Record picked up on the popularity of um, fiddler's rallies and the fiddle competitions that usually were, quite often they were tied up together. And um, and basically the it was, um, it ran right through the 70s, I think, and uh, into the 80s. And I I won it in the final year of it ever of the competition actually existing, which was in in nineteen eighty three, and um, but uh, if you were to look at the winners, the previous winners are some amazing players over the years, and um, uh, I think at least one once uh, Douglas Lawrence won it as well. Um, so a great great um, it was a great thing to win for me because it, it meant. Um, you know, for example, I was asked to go out up to the Shetland Folk Festival over the heads to winning that, which is a brilliant thing, you know. And I know that um, it's a similar it's sort of system of networking that you use with the, you know, the young trad and stuff like that. Um, because they, they, they can be touring Germany, can't they? Yet, you know, that um, they put on tours of the young trad musicians. And I, I know the agent who does that. And, you know, so a similar thing to that, Simon, in that um, these these things can open doors for you. And um, and also, um, it was good for me blagging my way into Capricelli as well. Actually, <laughs> I remember because um, I uh, I met the guitarist Sean Craig, the Capricelli's first guitarist, in um, his last day of college in uh, in Edinburgh, and I was just getting started. And um, but I think it's because Sean was was leaving. He decided he'd had enough. He was doing a catering thing. And his parents ran a hotel, and I think he'd had enough, and that was it. But I said, just a couple of days before he left, I said, come on, we'll get a session, and we got together, and we got on really well, and I loved playing with him. And uh, and then as, as a result of that, I was invited over to Argyle, to uh, to both Sean's hotel, and, and just hanging out in Oban, and then hanging out with Donald Shaw, and Mark Duff, and Karen, and that, um, in uh, Donald's parents' house in in uh, Tenault, you know. So it was, just, it was interesting how these things work, you know, and um, but certainly that's how I, I kind of had the courage to go and ask people to, you fancy, you know, um, getting a band together or do you fancy getting a session on? Mm -hmm. um, and of course, in early days of, of uh, I would imagine that that's sort of maybe just after the mid 80s, that's probably the first time I heard, saw you playing, Simon. Um, and is it La, La, La Belle and Gel? Was it that place? Was it? A nightclub that James McIntosh used to do all the time was yes. probably quite I late think. on. Been, yes, not a lot uh, of you would have been, soberness going on. <laughs> no, but you would. I mean, I th I think um, you'd have been quite quite young. You probably were too young to be in, in a in a club playing music. But <laughs> I, I I remember that was uh, that was the first time I ever met you and I saw you playing. That's right, because you were in Bread Street at the time, weren't you? I was. I was. Yeah. That's right. And. Uh, I, and that would have been me coming back quite a lot. You know, I, I think I would have been training a lot between Edinburgh and Glasgow at that time and going out to Glasgow sessions as well and, and playing with Donald and Mark um, in Glasgow. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's the 80s. That was a, oh, totally. a, good, a good time good time for uh, for traddy music in Edinburgh, wasn't it? It was amazing. When did you um, start 
composing? Because, I mean, you've written so many classic tunes that are really pretty oh, virtually you. part of the tradition. <laughs> well, oh, thank you, Simon. Um, well, I, I, I guess it's when um, I started probably when I was still at school and just through the um, being encouraged to write something as part of your your uh, your studies, you know, and I did uh, O-level, O-grade music, I think, in my um, in my sixth year. So that would have been, you know, fairly on. I'd, and then just trying to write from there. Um, and once you get that, once you're forced into doing it and you do something and you're all, you're always embarrassed, aren't you? You know, about your work, you know, you, you never think you've got a, a piece of magic in your, at your fingertips. And it's like, it's, it's, um, t- you take a lot to, oh, it's, it's a funny thing, isn't it? To be, have confidence in your own writing. But, um, but gradually, um, I would say definitely Donald Shaw, a major influence on me as well because like Donald when I first met him he was writing you know like some great tunes great 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 music and definitely that inspired me as well um and uh, and then just just through working with Capra Cayley over the years as well brilliant um challenge for in the early lineup days for me and Mark Duff would be to come up with instrumental breaks and I was lucky to work with Mark as well because Mark had studied um, jazz at the Guildhall in London um, and and composition, and he so he kind of went through the the the, the various um, directions you can go when you're trying to write a piece of music. And then if you're listening to, you've got a, a you know a few chords in a progression, a sixteen bar progression. You say, how do you put a piece of music into this? And and Mark quite often said uh, which was quite like common sense was you get stuck in a in a, in a in a phrase somewhere and he was told well if you're stuck and you're going up just go down <laughs> <laughs> and um and vice versa you know so it's that, that's quite interesting isn't it so it's, it's there's always somewhere to go it's not so easy though i i've i've been i've got quite a few tunes that i've half finished that i've i've maybe set, spent days on them you know um, trying to trying to polish uh, the proverbial of turd, you know. <laughs> Do you remember your first hit? Um, as a, as a solo a solo tune, you mean yeah. uh, as a composition? Well, I think um, to, to, I guess um, the the probably the album that that sticks out would be the um, the Blood is Strong, which was a commission um, to write music to go with a Gaelic series on. Um, um, I, I guess it was like on on Scots throughout the world, and and Gales probably in particular. But um, um, an amazing series which got a lot of um, a lot of following, and and we were we put the soundtrack out on the back of that series, and uh, it it really shows you how how things like that can can impact on sales, and we had great sales. You know, like we had like um, uh, you know we were winning discs for that um, for for the number of of pressings and stuff so but i would imagine that that and, and because the tunes were um well one, one of the tunes that got played a lot in the early days was my tune tom mccarran's named after my my great uncle tom mccarran and it was kind of done in a in a slightly kind of americana kind of way maybe touch a bluegrass vibe to it and and i think it captured um, the session uh mentality at the time and so and, and i think the Isle ranters that was another one from one of the early albums that that people seem to to play in different, you know, like it, it gets, it also gets played in, in like um, Scottish dance bands and stuff like that as well. One of the ones that 
I still come back to it a lot. It's the 70th year written for ah. your dad. That's a beautiful ah. tune. Oh, thank you, Simon. I, I do. I was quite emotional when I wrote that and going into the second part. And um, and I know, I remember um, having a conversation with Martin Bennett about it. And I, I was trying to um, write a tune with Martin one time. We were working together and we tried we got so far and then he, he sort of um eventually says you know what you just write it yourself uh, he gave up on me but uh, he did give me a, a couple of good phrases that, that i've still played to get today but the 70th year martin loved that as well and he just said you know the the change the chord change going into the second part and he said yeah you're, you're kind of ambling along that your father's lived his life and then yeah you've, you've reached your 70th year and come on um, it's had that kind of emotion, which which I did try to, I I just stumbled upon it, you know, and I think that was um, messing about on a on a keyboard to help me. Oh, yeah. the change actually going back the last four bars, going back to the F, <laughs> is beautiful as well. Oh, thank you. Well, do you know as well? I remember when I was doing that, and I was going, oh man, does this work? How, how, I mean, is this corny? You know, I thought going to think oh, it's just like oh, he's he's. he's He's running out of ideas. What's he doing? So it's 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 a funny one. Um, and and I know Ailey Shaw picked up that, that that tune. She recorded it, and I love her version. And of course the the um, the big the, the big uh, usual unusual suspects as well. They did it too. Mm -hmm. Fantastic, oh, amazing, amazing arrangement of that. Well, we've got another video of you playing here. Actually, it's a video you playing solo, and there's not a lot of them going around. <laughs> oh and, my. Now, one of the beauties of actually doing this show is getting through, getting to look at everyone's back catalogue. And actually, okay, I found okay. this video of you playing solo in Orkney in 2018 and the, playing the Strathby, the Bancroft Crofters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Real, okay. and I have to say, it's fantastic playing. So let's have a watch. <laughs> well, well.
That's great. Fantastic. I, I, although I do, I don't think that style might have won you the Golden Fiddle Award. <laughs> Especially the last no, tune. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. The last, uh, the last tune would have blown it for sure. And uh, no, no, I did. I'm trying to remember what I actually played. Um, it could have been Pretty Peggy, maybe. I played oh, in the competition. Great tune. I, I love the tune, yeah. But I mean, I think that video is a fabulous video. It's brilliant to hear you playing solo, oh, of course. But, uh, thank you. And there's Amber Thornley saying, great playing chat, fantastic, you know, but it really shows, <laughs> you know, the the work that you put in, in your youth, of the, the ah. hours, that video just says it all, I think. Well, luckily, luckily, um, my my uh, mother used to say to me, um, she, she, she could, I wasn't allowed to go out unless I practiced, you know what I mean? She had a lot. She had a lot on me, of course. I would say <laughs> to to keep me keep me in a boot. And um, but that was that was a great incentive, you know. Like go and practice for go and practice for for an hour, and you might get out. And then um, and that really helped me. And and of course, once you got going, once you get going, don't you? When you get playing, you you just, just kind of zone in and get get transported away. And I I loved um, playing along with um, cassette Simon in the early days and. Uh, you know, like so you, I would have all these. Um, I, I, I mean, the pirates. There's no denying it. Pirate copies of fiddle players. I apologise, um, Hector McAndrew. I'm sorry to your family. Um, but uh, yeah, I just playing along with these great, great recordings. And, and McAndrew was a real master, and he just had so much music in, 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 a, in you know any of his tunes that were just I think just musical to me, and. Um, uh, so, uh, but you know, we're, we're lucky. You know, the fact that we we, we have been um, exposed to, to to traditional music, in my in my opinion, and I feel feel blessed to have heard heard and uh, the, some of the stuff I've heard, and of course the session scene in Edinburgh when I was living there. I lived there from, I think, probably about um, eighty to ninety, something like that, and. Um, I loved it. I loved the the sessions um, and the uh, did not necessarily playing, but walking into a bar and getting a pint and then just listening to what was going on, and I mean it just like whoa! It just filled your filled up your heart, you know. Oh, amazing! Oh, we're very very lucky. Now, um, I think you joined. You were talking about Capricorn earlier, and you joined about nineteen. 19- 85? <laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> Absolutely right. You've done your research. Thank you, Wikipedia. Right. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're bang on. And Feb, it was first gig was February, February 85. And uh, that was a um, brilliant crack. And then that year we went on to tour Cape Breton with a, a, what can only be described as a cultural exchange. And Donald had been promised the world, you know, thinking, oh, we're going to make a good wedge out of this. And then to be informed when we arrived, well, you realise your flights were quite expensive. And, um, so we were looking on this as a bit of cultural exchange. And we were like, oh, fair enough, fair enough. But great, great. And uh, the first album you made, I mean, it's one of my favourite albums, The Crosswinds. I mean, because I used to come and see yeah. you playing in wow. Edinburgh at that time at the Acoustic Music Centre at the Fringe. And uh, that album oh, came yeah, out yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it. What what do you yes. remember about that time? Um, just uh, playing a lot, intense playing together, and um, I I think um, that was the, at that time early early band career, and you know none of us were really doing any other band stuff at that time. Um, it was just really focused on playing together, 
and um, hanging out together uh, and just incredible amount of playing and practicing and working out tunes and going to sessions and just a great time in our lives, I think. And, and at that time, uh, Donald and Karen would have been living in Partick in Glasgow. Um, they, they moved in, down to Glasgow quite quite uh, sharpish after after Donald left school, I think. But um, but that was a great crack down in Partick and then going round to their flats and we would have tunes. So just um, I, I, what I remember of that time, Simon, is just a lot, a lot of playing together and any excuse for a tune and then and then some serious hard work as well and rehearsals um, um, and then but I think the the thing that that made Capricelli was probably getting to tour America, and the and just because of the long tours and the amount of playing that we did, and I remember coming back from an American tour once and get, doing a gig in Aberdeen, and we were really tight, and I mean the band was playing amazingly tight and, and playing well and singing well, and um, and we we played one track. Our first our opening number in in the in the gig in Aberdeen, and we got a stacked innovation from the first number. So so that Amazing. that showed you that showed how much um, how much work we had been doing at the time, and and of course as you know yourself, that you know there there are arguments that that touring can burn musicians out as well. Of course, there's that side to it, but but yeah, at the end of the day, you should be playing more than 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 not, you know. So. There's, I know there's arguments for for pros and cons for touring, but I think to to get a band playing tightly, it's a it's a it's a great mechanism. And it must have set you up then all that work for because in the early nineties you ended up with chart success. I mean you were you sold over a million albums, didn't you? Yes, yes. I mean, uh, amazing amazing sales in those days. It's all it's very different now, isn't it? You know. Um, so, but we were lucky. We 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 were in a a, a time in history. When that was that was that was possible, and um, and and once again, you know, I think um, the chart success was achieved through it was once again through a documentary, you know, and so I think these are very very useful tools to use for to, to anyone any young person there. That's like, I think you've got to pursue as many avenues as you can to promote a, your 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 work or your music or your arts, you know. So, um, I I, I think. Uh, it was it was amazing times for us, Simon. Absolutely. And then um, I remember reading a re- I think it was a review for about Capricelli, and it was um, similar. Capricelli just stepped off a plane from Japan to walk onto the set of the movie Rob Roy, and um, and then went on to do you know like something. You know what I mean? So it was it was amazing times for us, and and uh, of course great great memories. You've always had great hairstyles, but there were some really brilliant ones in the sort of late eighties and the nineties. Quite a few perms going oh, on. Well, it was it was what what did they call it? The Keegan Kevin Keegan look, wasn't it? And um, uh, oh yeah, t- absolutely shocking, shocking. But uh, I think uh, it, it certainly makes people laugh when they see it now. <laughs> We're actually got. I've got this. Uh, I found this video uh, of Capper Cayley playing in nineteen ninety eight. It look, it's again it's on YouTube and it looks like it's a half an hour TV special and you must have still been playing lots then because the band are so tight and the movement is, is brilliant and, and also there's loads of you <laughs> alright great great the more the better <laughs> <laughs> let's watch it Hello. 
That's a band at the top of its game. Ah, oh, well, thank you. Great, great. Um, you know, my my memory and and uh, and just uh, what can I say? Experience of being with Capricelli has been amazing, a brilliant thing for me, and I've I've loved it. Um, and and we still get occasionally get to do some gigs. You know, which is which is wonderful. I think there's a gig coming up soon, isn't there? There's a, is there a festival? <laughs> well, allegedly, um, the Wickham, the Wickham Festival, yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? If it, um, I know they were quite keen to the the organisers, they were quite keen to put it on last year. Even you know they've said, "Look, it's an outdoor event, blah blah." But um, we'll see what happens. And and it's quite a big Scottish contingent. I think um, uh, Old Blind Dogs, who we saw earlier, have been asked to do it. And I think Duncan Chisholm has got his some kind of line up there too. And um, be interesting to see if it, if it goes ahead. Uh, I think it will actually. Okay, okay. Well, that's that's a bit scary because I mean, I'm going to have to go and look out the Capricelli CDs then. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they're all fantastic. I bet they're all. I bet they're all. I bet Donald Shaw's even going. Hmm. Might have, to <laughs> might have to. Might have to listen to a couple of tracks, maybe. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, closer to hand, but I would imagine there would be a few um, bits of bits of um, recordings zooming about the place in the in the, in the near future. <laughs> well, Charlie, I'd love to chat more. <laughs> um, we're kind of out of time, but it's uh, it's always amazing to chat to you. I should mention that sometime in the near future, you have a new album coming out with uh, Brian O'Hara and Sandy Breakin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've we had that almost ready to go before lockdown, and then Sandy's been working hard on it over the over the the last few months and managed to get something together. So it's fantastic. Um, some lovely, uh, great tunes on it and great songs, and um, uh, certainly enjoyed doing that. I love playing with the lads. Good crack, you know. And uh, also session nine, we've 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 done quite a lot of pre-production on an album, which. Um, which we're going to um, reconvene. Um, uh, we're hoping to reconvene in September to um, maybe get a, a few days together and just um, try and catch up with where we were. And um, really hoping to get an album out for next year, which will all be our 20th anniversary, Simon. No way. Well, you can actually find out about that. Um, well, there's Charlie's uh, Facebook page where it's uh, Charlie McKerran Teaching. You'll find out about what Charlie's up to there because Charlie, if you didn't know this already, is actually quite an amazing teacher as well. I know we haven't really touched on this today, but I always, whenever you teach at Tinto, you get so much out of the kids. And uh, Session Thank 89 you. has also got their own Facebook page, so definitely keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. 